0: to see it. Uh, you're listening to Fast Forward Radio for October the 5th, 2008. Uh, Fast Forward Radio is part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. This show is an audio production of the Speculus weblog. You can find us online at www.speculus.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T. Or you can go straight to the blog by typing www.blog.speculus.com. The Speculous and Fast Forward Radio are all about the future, and we offer a positive view of the future that you're not likely to get through other media. We don't have our eyes closed to the problems. We have our eyes open to the possibilities. Michael, are you there?
1: I I am. Okay, and I've got audio.
0: Good, good. Are you hearing Phil at all?
1: Phil who? No, sorry. (laughs) I'm not hearing him one whit. Can
2: you hear me now? All right. Yeah, we can hear you now. I can hear
1: you now. Man, I was given my whole
3: thing. I was, uh, lived to see it and everything, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear Stephen's voice, and I'm like, dude, you're interrupting me. I'm talking. and
0: you know, That's mighty rude. It huh?
3: <laughs> became wow. evident that uh, there was a glitch, so sorry about that. Um, Anyway, this is, I assume you already said that what the show is and what we're doing. I'm Worms. that's right. I,
0: uh, this is the, uh, the well the first aniv- well the first anniversary of us doing this we've been doing this now a year on Blog Talk radio, and so this is kind of a kind of a retrospective show in a way, but as always though, we're going to be focused on the future as well. so
3: Well we've got a lot of great stuff we can talk about. We do We do definitely want to take a look back. At uh, some of the some of the fun shows we've had over the past year, it's been great. We've done this will make fifty,
0: 50- and we just lost Bill again.
1: <laughs> this is great.
0: He's, he's
1: got to uh, he's got to stop calling in on that mythical telephone. He's got to use a real phone.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, um, I you know what would be fun? What since we're experiencing the glitch right now, I'm going to go ahead and play the uh the first uh, an excerpt from the very first show we ever did now this is not even from a year ago mike this is from like you know 5 years ago or well it was from 2005 so it's it's from way back when and uh this and it what makes it hilarious is how how um scripted we thought we had to be you know we were afraid that if we didn't have like every word scripted out we were we wouldn't have anything to say And uh, so that that sort of created a, it's a very stilted type show, and so I'm glad we stuck with it and we kept, you know, uh, working to get through it and have some, you know, and and have a better show. But anyway, here is an excerpt from the very first fast-forward radio we ever did. Hello, I'm Stephen Gordon. As you mentioned, Phil, we've got a very special show in which we'll examine some major changes taking place in the world right now.
3: That's right, Stephen. Think of this as our little guided tour of the future.
0: And not only are these topics interesting in and of themselves, this show will serve as a kind of previews of coming attractions for some of our upcoming programs, so let's not waste any time. <laughs> Man, I, I, and it went on an hour like that, Michael, so I mean, it just, it was something. Well, but, I,
1: you know, I, I've never heard that before, because it's clearly not up on the, uh, it's not up on iTunes, it's not up on Fast Forward Radio, but... Let me just say that Phil sounds sort of the same. You sound like, you know, very uh, young and DJ-ish. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see if this is Phil calling in on another line. Phil, is that
3: you? That is me. Can you hear me? I can hear you now.
0: So, okay, good. I'm paying money
3: for this call, so this one better work. That's all I have to say. This, 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 <laughs> this, this better be the one that actually kicks in for us. Um, now, actually, you know, Michael, uh, at the time we did that first show, uh, Stephen still looked like his Facebook picture. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, the 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 ensuing years that uh, I were, you know, I've, I, I now have four kids, and uh, I tell you, it's aging me, man. It's aging me.
1: Time <laughs> uh, time travel is good. It turns out it's useful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really really counting on this life life extension business to kick in and soon, you know. one <laughs>
3: well, uh, of the one of the things that's that's uh, Interesting about when you listen to that first show. Actually, the uh, the sound quality is really good, and we you know we had a lot of technical problems, but one technical problem we didn't have was uh, nobody could be dropped off the show or any of these phone call problems because we weren't really. Uh, I mean, we were talking to each other on the phone, but we were actually making individual MP3 recordings, and then I would put mine up on the web. You would download mine and put the two together. To make a show, and what you know, what was the time commitment for you, Stephen, to make a an episode of Fast Forward Radio back in those days?
0: Eight hours. I mean, Eight I swear, hours. it was it was. I mean, because I, I thought it was necessary to take every um and ah out, and you know, that that was just incredible. Uh, and and you know, when we had, and it was so polished that it sounded it sounded like it was fake, and it was you know too polished. So how uh, long was that? Well, two thousand and five uh, about may
3: of two thousand and five so right um three and a half years ago yeah when we did our when we did our very first fast forward radio, and then in the ensuing what two and a half years, we probably put out another i'm gonna say twenty five installments of the program That's uh, about using
1: right.
3: pretty much that same methodology. most of those are now lost to time, unfortunately because we used various blogging or excuse me podcasting services, or we did them ad hoc, and um, I, I, I don't think that we can get to a lot of those, including, I was just looking for it today, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe we have this archive someplace. I could not find our interview with Aubrey de Grey, which is a shame if we've lost that, but I, I don't think we've got that anymore.
0: Well, I th- I'm, I'm thinking it's on a, on a hard drive in this house somewhere, and I just need to get around to digging it up, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've, had, we've we had some good shows even before we came to Blog Talk Radio, but since then, by coming to blog talk radio and doing it every week you get where you're a little more comfortable doing it and uh and and I think frankly I just think we've gotten a little better I hope so and uh and, it, and it's been a lot of fun and and just to know that you got a a show every week and I tell you it, you know we put the time in in preparing for the show but then afterwards there's no I mean the show's out there you don't have to edit it or anything else so um it's it's made it a different
1: show. It's
3: a big difference. Although there's still a time commitment because you you work hard putting a meticulous set of show notes together every week and I just uh want to say how much I appreciate that because we have this we have this nice archive of every show not just the fact that blog talk radio is uh is recording the uh, MP3s and I've actually got all mine uh you know it gets published to iTunes and I've got all mine on my on my iPod. I don't listen to them by and large much, but they're all there. So I know we'll, we'll never lose any of these. Then, in addition to um, the audio, we've got a nice record of what was said, and, and when we refer to links, you've got all those links in there, and it, it's just, you know, looking back, it's a it's a nice record of everything we've done over the over the past year.
0: <laughs> uh, Sally in the chat room is asking, uh, did did you guys have internet back then?
3: <laughs> just barely, you know. So that's like that uh, that scene in Mars Attacks where the kid asks his grandma, "Was she scared when they invented trains?"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: how old do you think i am kid but uh, that that was long enough ago we didn't even call it a podcast we didn't even have that terminology at that time we just called it our internet radio show or something when,
0: when yeah we started.
1: but we've definitely we, we, we,
0: we didn't a, learn it was a podcast until yeah. like i don't know uh six months into doing it
1: but, yeah no yeah,
0: that's yeah, we, what we're, doing. we're okay. doing a
3: podcast we just didn't know it's like those <laughs> early bloggers who didn't know they were blogging right the same kind of same I just, kind of idea. we, we I just we, thought uh, they were
0: publishing an online journal, but
3: yeah, yeah exactly. We we, we found out his blog. So we got a lot of ground to cover. How would you like to start? You want to start off by venturing down memory lane? Do we want to continue our discussion of better all the time? Um, I'd like to I'd like to end this tonight, talking a little bit about um, where where we hope to take the program over the next few years. But maybe um, maybe we'll start off by uh, reviewing some of what we've done and maybe, and maybe throw in a little bit of uh, of our good news discussion. Um, I just want to say, I don't know if you've given the number out, Stephen, but this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're having a one-year anniversary celebration of this show on Blog Talk Radio this evening. And if you'd like to join our conversation, you can join us in the online chat or call us at 347-215-8972. So, looking back, what are our... Uh, what are our highlights? What are the what are the moments that stand out in your mind, Stephen, as you reflect on a year of doing weekly programs?
1: I don't know
0: if it's if it's just me uh, hating the fact that I was not a part of the show, but I think one of the highlights was the show I missed, which was when uh, you had Robert Zubrin on the show, and. Uh, yeah. I, I tell you, uh, just a fascinating guest. Um, you know, I, he was talking about flex fuel and uh, how important that is. And
1: you know,
0: after that show, um, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I gained a, a much bigger interest in energy, and I've been blogging on that steadily at the Speculist ever since. Well, looks we like we, we have had a to... caller.
3: Oh, well, bring him on.
0: All right, and now we don't. See now, when you when you're when you're a caller, you got to wait for us to actually get to you. There's no. You got to give
3: us a minute. It takes yeah. uh, You know that. Well, actually, I was just about to say there's a, uh, the uh, the time that we when when we had Zubrin on, that was the one show where I ran the soundboard, and um, I have a great deal of respect for what you do running that, Stephen. I have to say because uh, we actually had him sitting on hold for about, I don't know, it probably wasn't that long, four or five minutes. Uh, I felt like it must have been an eternity. It was so embarrassing, um, just because like the screen didn't refresh and it didn't show that the didn't show that the call was up there. So we, we brought him on a little bit uh, a little bit late onto the show because of either software glitch or maybe operator error. I don't know. These things get lost to the sand of time. But um, what a great what a great program that was. Uh, talking about his ideas about flex fuels, why flex fuel vehicles are uh, a, a, a huge kind of uh, bridging technology for us. Getting us from, uh, from kind of the current method of of uh, of how we power vehicles to where we want to go next. Now, um, one of the things that was interesting about that show too, talk about uh, we we always seem to run out of time. We we actually give ourselves a ninety minute uh, seg- uh, ninety minute slot on Blog Talk Radio, so it, with the thought that we'll probably talk for uh, an hour out of that time. When we had Dr. Zubern on, I was hoping that we would spend about 20 minutes talking about flex fuels and then the rest of it talking about the fact that he's the founder of the Mars Society and he's written interesting books on going to Mars on the cheap and all that kind of thing and never got around any of that. So we're hoping uh, eventually maybe we'll have him back at some point and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit further.
0: You know, and I mean, there's so many things that we could have talked about with him. Uh, he, back during the 70s, invented a three-person chess board I mean, the guy's the guy's just a brilliant, interesting guy, and I mean, we could have talked of um, any number of things uh, with with Robert Zuber. but I mean, uh, we've we've been uh, blessed with other uh, with other great guests as well. Uh, our I want to talk the about
3: one who was on the night one of the nights I missed, you and uh, PJ PJ Manning was our co-host that evening. Uh, okay. pa- talked with uh, Ben Gertzel. and I thought that was uh, a really interesting discussion. In fact, I was. Uh, uh, I, I was mentioning uh, before the show started that one of the things I would like to have done, but the files were too big and I, I couldn't find a good way to manage them, was to take a few snippets from some of these earlier shows and just play those back. And I had a little sound clip of Ben talking about his his kind of unique ideas for how to uh, how to get to artificial intelligence, a little bit different from from what others were talking about. What what uh, what are your recollections of that uh, of that interview?
0: Let's see if I can remember it, Phil. Um... I mean uh he he was uh, he he was talking about uh artificial intelligence not only as uh as as um a function of um like computers and things but also uh human upgrade through you know, hybrids basically humans and, and computers or am I remembering it wrong it's been a while since that show
3: i I think we got to that later in the in the program um offhand we were talking about what the the research they're doing at novamente uh his company. And the uh, the thing that really got my attention was they're taking a uh, uh, kind of a non-traditional, if, if one could use the word traditional to talk about this, a, a kind of a unconventional, let's put it that way, approach to achieving uh, general artificial intelligence, which is that um, th- their view is that eventually we'll have the neuroscience that will en- enable us to create uh, computer programs that will operate like the human brain but that we don't really understand enough about that yet. And so that the, the correct way to get to artificial intelligence from where we are is actually to build it through what we know about computer programming and to take uh, computer software, which is built uh, in an evolutionary way, and to evolve intelligent systems that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, that, and of course, what you would end up with might be very different, uh, a very different sort of intelligence than, than our own. Since we're not modeling it after the human brain necessarily, you're just uh, letting it evolve to whatever it, it, you know, whatever you get, you know.
3: Exactly. So, so we could end up with something completely different from from what we are um, in in terms of how it gets to intelligence, but that the intelligence, you know, once you had the intelligent being uh, programmed in, you you would have. Uh, you would have an entity there that we could communicate with, and that would operate on an intelligent level. But yeah, you would have to think that uh, its basic functions would be different from ours. It's you know what what has led it to become intelligent would be so different from from us that that you're looking at a radically new and different thing in the world uh, at that point. Which would uh, that's almost kind of scary, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it it, it is, and you know would it be would it be friendly would it be something that could identify with us at all I, you know it, that's uh I, I you know that's that's uh those are real concerns you know
3: yeah although i i think that, that ben uh would suggest that you you get to friendliness by by focusing on certain outcomes in behavior and and certain parameters that are leading to intelligence even if even if those don't map exactly to what we have in in human neuroscience so um, it sounds scary to us, but maybe it's because we're we're not as tied into the into the research. I see in the chat room that Sally asks if uh she thinks there's a chance of getting Ray Kurzweil or Eric Drexler on the program. Actually, uh I have a verbal commitment from Ray Kurzweil to be on the show. Um he had talked about doing it in conjunction with the release of the film version of the Singularity Is Near, which I haven't heard too much about that. Stephen, have you heard anything about that lately? It seems like that's Not at all. Not at all. I
0: haven't uh and and I I try to keep up with that. He is uh, Uh, You know, I don't even know if it's been filmed or or what. Uh, What's the status on
3: that? Yeah, I I don't know either. Um, I I know that they had started. I know that they were at least in pre-production or they were filming some of the documentary pieces. My understanding is that the the movie switches back and forth between being a documentary on the singularity and telling a story about an artificial intelligence who is uh, Ramona, uh, which is uh, Kurzweil's... uh, uh, Kind alter of ego, our right? artificial yeah. intelligence, alter ego, in a court case to become uh, recognized as a, as an actual human being. So it was these two stories, um, or these, these two threads, and I'm pretty sure that they did a lot of the filming of the documentary piece. As far as the fictional piece, I, I don't know if, you know, I haven't heard anything about it in quite some time. So, well, I mean,
0: that's definitely something I want to, uh, us to push for and see if we can get. I, Ray would be a you know, uh, a huge guest for this show, and we would love to have him.
3: We would absolutely love to have him. If you're a if you're, any Drexler, Drexler, listener, Drexler, you're welcome anytime. Yeah. Any, anytime on the program. Absolutely. And we've hit that first break point. I know I've just said it, but I'm going to say it again. This is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about our first anniversary on Blog Talk Radio, and we'll be uh, talking a little bit about good news and talking a little bit about where we intend to take this program in the future. If you'd like to join that discussion, we're talking about that in our online chat, or you can call us at three four seven two one five eight nine seven two. If you called earlier, try calling back. You know, we're, we'll uh, we'll take your call.
0: Did Did you see the guy that crossed the uh, English Channel with that Batman Batman type wing? Uh, the jet powered guy, the jetpack guy.
3: Um, you know I. I saw a headline about that but I haven't I haven't uh read about it. he's the same he's I believe from Switzerland is that right this uh That's right he
0: he's sometimes called fusion man um uh, and uh, I will put in the show notes I'm going to put a uh a, the, the YouTube video of this guy it, it's incredible um he crossed the English channel well, that was about a week ago and uh you know he he dropped out of an airplane over over France and uh and, and hit those jets and it's he's he's wearing a wing and uh, he shot all the way across the English Channel, so I guess this goes along with our theory that uh, one day we'll all be Batman. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, that that uh, actually uh, th- that is um, uh, almost beyond Batman, right, because I don't even think Batman generally doesn't wear a uh, a jetpack, right? Uh, you, you, in the movies, he yeah, does a lot of, of hang gliding, right, kind of base jumping stuff, Uh yeah. which even that seems to be kind of an extension from what he did in the comics. This is like uh that movie the rocketeer right the yeah, guy yeah. fly all over the place with a with a rocket on his back that, uh, <laughs> that's uh you that's know, right one, yeah. one, one step beyond batman i think we're heading we're heading in a superman kind of a direction at that point
0: <laughs> Yeah, um and he, yeah and, and it shows that uh he he obviously had some uh um he he believed in this technology i mean you don't you don't fly over the english channel if you think you're going to go into the drink you know you're gonna if you if you feel like uh, you're gonna to have to bail out and then land in the ocean, you, you might be there a while, and that that could have been very dangerous. So, obviously, he had confidence in uh, in in his technology there.
3: Well, I, I think he's you know he's done a number of these demonstration flights, and I've seen uh, video. There's video on YouTube of this guy in action. So I figure at some point somebody must have calculated, hey, you know. The distances you're flying in some of these demo flights is long enough that you could fly over a body of water, like say the English Channel, and that would get us some publicity, now, wouldn't it? So uh, that was uh, uh, that was a pretty clever, a uh, uh, pretty clever publicity thing I think for for them to do to draw some additional attention to the uh, to to their company. Uh, looking forward to those jetpacks becoming a readily available commercial product. I think uh, I think a person could have a lot of fun with those. Looks like Michael has an update on. Uh, on the Kurzweil movie, what have you found out there, Michael? It looks like you found the website and you've got a, a release date?
1: It's uh, expected out in early 2009. And um, if you go to that website, it's going to say uh, well, it's actually interesting the way they describe the film. Um, you have an A-line A line and the B line. The A line is sort of a no holds barred factual documentary appearing, uh, you know, let's get a bunch of people who know crap about the future and have them talk about it, including a very nice picture of Aubrey de Grey right in the middle. And, uh, and then the B-Lines, uh, uh, which is sort of the interviewed or intertwined uh, story of Ramona and how Ramona has done what she's done and what Ramona will do in the future, um, coached by Tony Robbins, so very exciting uh, you know, teaser there.
3: Uh, last I heard, also, she would be represented in court by Alan Dershowitz. I don't know if the, the website mentions anything about that.
1: That is what it says. She combats an attack of self-replicating nanobots, uh, also known as gray goo, and hires Alan Dershowitz to press for her legal rights as a person.
0: So we have a caller.
3: All right. We'll bring him on.
0: Okay. Caller, welcome to Fast Forward Radio.
2: Hello, guys.
3: Hey, PJ. How are you? PJ.
2: All right. I want to wish you guys a happy anniversary. Well, <laughs> oh, thanks,
3: thanks, T.J. Manny. Not only um, I think our most uh, frequent guest on the program, but also one of our uh, occasional co-hosts on the show as well. So, uh, thanks for being a part of the show over the last year. Uh, we, we and I, were just talking about uh, before before the, the broadcast started. We were talking about uh, favorite moments. We were going through kind of best of, worst of kind of lists, and we both said uh, favorite guests. There were there were a couple, three names, but. For both of our lists, you were right at the top of the list, PJ.
2: Oh, you guys are so sweet. <laughs> I was—I had such a ball. It's—it's it's a lot of fun. Hey, where else do I get to talk about this kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You, you got to have geek friends to talk about geek stuff. I mean, yeah. that's the way it is. Totally,
2: totally, and I value my geek friends. <laughs>
3: you know, because life can't just all be normal life. You need some people like us that you can, uh, you know, you can phone in. And, and uh, I believe one of the one of the questions I put to you once was. Um, why are uh, and and it made sense in context. I want to say for
1: people who,
3: <laughs> but I believe the question I asked you was why are why do why do geeks tend to be such nerds? And you actually had a fa- fantastic answer to that question. And I think you know, and anybody that you can spring a question like that on and, and who has an answer to it is just. Ah.
2: What I worry about is when someone said. I always worry when someone says, "Gosh, that was a great thing you said." What was it again? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, live, I live in the moment.
3: Well, you will note that I remember the question, not so much your answer. No, no, you no. You
2: didn't the, the answer, answer
0: right? <laughs> Touche. Just remember <laughs> it was brilliant.
3: We will link to the answer. So, so PJ, do you have any, uh, any particular uh, favorite moments from, from the past year that you'd care to relate or any uh, thoughts on what you think we should, any directions you think we should be taking this in, in the year to come?
2: Oh golly! I think that um i I agree that I thought uh Ben gerzel's conversation was very interesting um that that was was you know I, he's already a friend and I already talked to him uh, you know certainly within a social and and also research uh capacity, but it was great fun to be able to talk to him in a an official capacity uh as well that was great um Gosh what was I don't know. I mean, um, I think you guys do a wonderful job. I think it's a fun show, and you give an awful lot of very valuable information that you can't get other places, well, especially within this, this kind of, of medium.
3: Well, that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, the, the, the thought increasingly is that um, there, there is a whole set of trends of things that are happening in the world that just kind of get overlooked that um naturally we have to focus on solving problems and we have to focus on dangers and risks that that uh that the world presents but that in dealing with those we might lose sight of the fact that there are tremendously uh good things happening and there's a potential for even better things if we can if we can get our head around those things and 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 focus on them a little bit so it's uh it's, it's fun to be able to do this, and we, we certainly uh, look forward to the next year. I, I'll tell you a couple of things that, that uh, come to mind, in addition to um, having you as our official Hollywood correspondent reporting on the Oscars, which was... Uh,
2: <laughs> that was, that was, awesome. was wonderful, silly fun.
3: <laughs> but of three panel discussion programs we've done, you were actually on, I think, two of the panels. We did a panel discussion on transhumanism, and you were a panelist on that, and we did a... Uh, panel discussion on the future of fit versus the future of fat, and you were a you were a, a panelist on that. Did, how, how did you like the uh, the panel discussion format? Do you think we should do more of those? Do you think that's an effective thing to do?
2: I think it was uh, very interesting because you got especially with that uh, latter one, you had uh, we were three very different uh, people coming from very different backgrounds. You know, Brian Wang is has such an encyclopedic knowledge of well Every, everything everything, everything. <laughs> i mean he's just he's extraordinary uh, yeah. and your friend sean was it was his name correct yes um uh, was was incredibly obviously knowledgeable in his own field um so yeah i thought that was actually very effective uh did your your listeners agree
3: uh, you know we got a lot of good i think a, a lot of good responses on both of the, uh, all three of the panel discussion uh Programs that we've done—they're certainly fun for for us to do. I, I well, I, I have a I have a good time with them. Stephen, any, any thoughts on the the panel shows versus individual guests?
0: Well, you know, the, the only the only downside of a panel is that you might have these uh, great guys like Sean that we've never had on the show otherwise. That we could we could fill a couple of shows just visiting with him. But the good, the good uh, side of it is that uh, you have d- the interaction. You have some, you have immediate feedback from uh, from somebody else. You know that, you know, if I was talking to Sean and he brings up a point, you go, "Well, that's interesting. I wonder what PJ would have to say about that." Well, she's there on the show. You know, uh, so I guess the, the the upside is that you uh, is that you have more, you you have the uh, feedback of those people right then, right there. I mean, the immediacy of it. But uh, if, if uh, you know, if you have got some great guests, you might want to have them on uh, separately as well at another time. So, I guess just mix it up. I guess is the way to go.
3: Yeah.
2: It's all about yeah. balance. <laughs> yeah.
3: it's all about balance. There you go. I just, I mean, that's the same answer we had on the Fitness and Fatness show, right? It's uh, that's that's. Right. All
2: it's all about balance. balance. <laughs> it's all about <of> it. balance.
3: <laughs> sometimes we have guests, and sometimes we don't have guests. Well, yeah. another thing that uh, Stephen and I have, uh, have observed: sometimes, you know, we'll have a guest on, and we'll talk to the guest for the for the whole show, and we talked about. Uh, Ben and we talked about uh, Zubrin. You know, some some of the others would be. um, We had.
0: Tobias Buckell.
3: Tobias, of course, we've had him on a couple of times. Another one of our favorite guests. And and I should note that I got an email from him. He's having a difficult time calling in. He tried to call in, and Tobias, if you're listening, we appreciate you trying. And uh, if if you want to give it another shot, we we hope to talk to you. But otherwise, we. Uh, we, we, we appreciate you wanting to wanting to be part of this tonight. I was having some trouble calling in too, so I, I, I understand the difficulty. Um, we had uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Jing Sui, who is a uh, uh, cancer researcher working on uh, a really unique and innovative approach to treating cancer. That was uh, th- that was kind of an important program we did. And you contrast that with somebody like, say. Jim Elvich, not to say he's not important, but uh, just a very different topic. Uh, The the, the guy who uh, we spent an hour talking about the theory that uh, the world is actually a computer program and that things like like, UFOs and Bigfoot are evidence of the fact that the world is a computer program. So, you know, anywhere from the very serious, uh, very topical, very timely kind of stuff to the kind of way out... Very fun kind of topics. We're we're able to, to cover all of those with with individual guests, and then and then uh, you know we've been able to do quite a few programs where it's just been ourselves and the folks in the chat room and whoever occasionally wants to call in talking about a particular topic. So we would talk about memes or uh, long shot futures or um, better all the time, for example. That's right. So it's been a nice mix, and I think uh, I think we've I think we've maintained that balance. If we if we if we've uh, not been balanced lately, it's probably that we haven't had many of those hour-long interview-type shows. So we'll probably want to get a few more of those back in, taking your advice, PJ, to uh, to keep the format balanced. All
2: right. Well, I, de- I also I have to say the the I think it was the, the, your interview with Zubrin, which was so fantastic. I've actually never forgotten some of the things she said on that show, especially his comments about the flex fuel cars mm-hmm. how, yeah. and how how actually economically viable it is to create flex fuel cars, that still blew, blew my mind that it's something we weren't doing, that it was available to us, and we were throwing that opportunity away.
0: Yep. Uh, apparently, you can convert a, uh, well, you can take a normal car on the on an assembly line, and for about another $150, $200 tops, you can turn it into a flex fuel car and uh then it, uh it runs on gasoline ethanol or methanol or any mixture of the three and now,
1: uh, PJ,
3: PJ, i don't know if you've been tracking uh last few weeks but one of the things we're doing is we're offering the uh, presidential campaign that uh that has the most speculist friendly uh, uh fast forward radio friendly content we're going to we're going to award them a fast forward radio coffee mug so <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: been,
0: which is very That's important to them we just know well, <laughs> I,
2: absolutely, absolutely. But look, it's it's actually an unbelievably important topic. Whether whether or not they, you know, they're aware of where you guys are going, uh, they should be.
3: Well, and and one of the one of the encouraging signs is, uh, I believe it's the McCain campaign that has referred to flex fuels uh, specifically. I I have to go back in my notes and see if. Uh, and see if, because uh, c- I think it was the Obama campaign who talked about plug-in hybrids, another one of our favorites by name, and I think it was McCain who talked about flex fuels by name. So we've been we've been keeping track of this, hoping to see more and more of that kind of content. It seems like earlier on, around the time of the conventions, we were getting more speculous type material out of these folks. Lately, we've had a lot of financial worries. We've had you know this, this, this crisis and that crisis, and and I think as we get closer to the election, there's a lot more. Uh, what do they call it? Um, I don't want to say negative campaigning. They call it opposition research-based campaigning as they kind of go at each other. And I don't think we're getting as much of the – unfortunately, not getting as much of the uh, uh, speculist-friendly content as we were. But uh, one of the things things we said was if either one of them would just use the phrase space elevator at any point, they'd probably clinch the mug right there. (laughs) That's right. Uh,
2: There, I think you men will have to dream on – I, I I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon, unless the asteroid is coming. Uh, I don't think it's happening anytime soon.
3: What about utility fog? Wouldn't it be awesome if Obama just spent about like you know a minute just explaining why utility fog would be a really helpful thing? You know, this is, or or McCain either one, but. Uh,
0: well, our, our dress is our favorite sci-fi characters for Halloween. You know, any of these things would cleanse the
3: <laughs> There are so many ways to win, guys. That's, that's uh,
0: so what so I'm
2: wait thinking. a second. So like, what I'm hearing here now is Obama as as Commander Worf. I mean, uh, well, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you, you, any of these, you know, any 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 character will do. We uh, You know, we... We're 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 going to be open to uh, whatever they want to do. To, to
2: well, McCain's well, really
3: Colonel Ty from Battlestar Galactica. I don't know if you've seen that.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that website where
3: they've got the picture of Ty um, Commander Roslin, and it looks just like McCain and Palin. I mean, the, physically, these 2 people—it it, it really looks like that's who's running.
1: It's it's really kind of funny. <laughs>
2: Very true. Well, it, it, interestingly, I think New Scientist uh, magazine this week just did a quick little interview with. Um, Golly, I think it was like 12 of writers, scientists, Nobel uh, Prize winners, etc. What would you expect to find, what would you hope that whoever the new administration is would do as their first positive step towards science? And some of the answers were, were, what was tragic is that it didn't exist already. Like, you know, we've lost our presidential science advisor. And one of them said, well, we should get them back, and it should be a member of the cabinet. Um, you know, another one was uh, having a real ethics committee, not an ethics committee that's politically loaded. Um, all these things where you sort of went, wow, yeah, we don't have that. Damn. Um it was it was kind of heartbreaking when you read the list. It, it seemed it seemed like the basics. Um, good science education in America, you know, an, an emphasis on that. Um,
0: yeah, we, you know, it, I think I think it would be a fine idea to have almost a GI bill set aside for people who want to study, basically pay for the education of someone who wants to uh, become an engineer or you know or a
3: scientist, yeah, or a nice. scientist of some sort.
0: You know, I mean we. We just don't have enough of that
3: in this country. Basic
0: research is kind of, we're losing it to other countries. Well, like. And that
3: was something we, we credited the Obama campaign with wanting to put a good deal of, of uh, funding towards basic research, kind of going back on that track. And both campaigns actually had, I think, some really strong initiatives towards improving education. So, PJ, if you could send us a link to that story you were talking about, we'd like to refer to that in the show notes, that sounds...
2: Uh, I'm, I'm looking as we speak
3: very interesting albeit a little depressing um but uh never fear because the world is in fact getting better all the time as we demonstrated in our new uh, edition of better all the time that was up on the up on the blog this week i think we had a, a good news story about science education maybe it was two or three of those bats back Do you remember what i'm talking about by any chance steven
0: um help me out phil um Give me a little more detail. What I'm was,
3: scrambling I'm stalling. See I, I, I say that to you while I look around to see if I can find it. So
0: uh okay. while well, you do that. Um in the in the chat room, um uh, Sally was talking about how um in uh she was talking about the space elevator and how when she read about it in the seventies, the Fountains of Paradise novel, that it was it was the conception was a tall, heavy you know, a heavy tower type you know, made of metal type thing. Right. Obviously, uh our conception of what it w- would be has has changed a lot since then
3: well so, uh, yeah i think you know when when you conceive it as a, as an elevator i almost see it just as kind of this cable going up although there might i, I don't know would the one of the questions that i started asking myself as i was writing about it today is would would there be more infrastructure around that cable would it actually be a cable with some kind of tower around it would it just be a cable that the that the car climbs up i don't know uh, I'm not well, sure. they're, they're talking
0: now. It's just a carbon nanotube ribbon that's yep. you know thinner than a piece of paper, really, but uh, but you know maybe three or four feet wide that you, you know, that it, that the climber climbs up.
3: Okay, so. Mister knows a lot about space elevator. Try this question <laughs> on for size because I, I got thinking about this one too. How do you get the initial hookup?
1: Do we well, uh you,
3: it down? Do we like yeah, yeah, roll it? Do like we hook to a rocket and take it up? Or you know, I mean, Yeah, yeah.
0: What you do? Uh, you know, what I'm I'm hearing is the latest idea is that you launch a you launch a huge rocket with uh, with uh, you know just the, the thinnest of threads that you you lower down and then and then you, and and then uh, you have climbers, tiny little climbers that climb up, taking additional threads and and uh, as they go and and basically weaving the ribbon. From a single, you know, from a single, from a single thread that hangs down.
3: So. so, but at some point, you got a huge spool of it up in the satellite, and you're propelling that back down to the Earth. Is that the idea? Yeah. Initially. Yeah. That's right. Either way, it's just it's hard to get your head around how it uh, gets started because then something Earth side is going to have to catch that ribbon, that first thread, and then it all makes sense, right? From there, you just build and build and build on the uh, on on the thread. But but initially. Initially making that happen is the the challenging part. Okay, I found it. It was in Better All the Time uh, from just a few weeks ago. Which edition was this? Now that I've said that, I have to go back up to the top and look. This was Better All the Time, number 35. And here was the headline. Record numbers of students sign up for advanced math and science courses. Nearly 60% more students will be taking more challenging math and science courses at high schools in six states this fall thanks to the National Math and Science Initiative, a nationwide effort to improve American achievement and competitiveness, and I won't read the whole thing, but it was a, it was a nice turn of events on a, a program that had probably fallen off a little bit in recent years, and they've, and they've turned it around a little bit, and they're setting some pretty ambitious goals for getting more and more kids into those kinds of programs. so there, there's,
0: there actually is there's, a, there's some good news for you PJ. Um okay. <laughs> sorry,
2: sorry, my sorry, my mic was off. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to spare you guys my son my uh practicing his clarinet. Okay.
3: Well there it is. Education, you see, we got kids studying music, we got kids t- kids studying math science, it's great. That's good stuff. We'd love to we'd and love to have a recording of that on the program sometime, PJ, so. Uh
2: you know, let him practice a little more. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll take your I'll take your word for you on that. actually my daughter plays clarinet and um I uh want to find the right verb here. Uh in in experienced uh, you know, her practice over the years and uh, definitely uh, you know. How old's your son? Twelve. And how long has he been playing clarinet?
2: Uh, let's see, this will be his third year.
3: Okay, so yeah, he's coming along, I would bet. But uh, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, clarinet's kind of like a
0: violin in that it, it's a beautiful instrument in the hands of somebody who knows how to play it. And if, but if not, it, it, it you know a, a violin and a clarinet is uh, can really it can really sound bad if in, in the hands of somebody who doesn't know how to play it. So the process of becoming a, an accomplished player can be painful for those around. <laughs> you know?
1: Well, especially
3: in the earliest stages. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. it, it is like a violin in that if, like, just any old person takes the bow to a violin and starts sawing on the strings, you get that screech, right? And if yeah. a normal human being who hasn't learned how to do it blows into a clarinet, you probably get nothing, right? But, but if you get any sound at all, it's not going to be pleasant, that's for sure. It's going it's, it's, it's to be a horrible uh, squeaking sensation. So...
2: Yeah, we're, we're getting to pleasant, but we haven't reached um, uh, Benny Goodman yet.
3: Okay, <laughs> working towards Benny Goodman. Well, well, you know, when when we've approached that stage, let us know.
2: <laughs> I sure will.
3: <laughs> we'll look forward to having him on the. Actually, when he starts uploading music, right, Stephen, we can uh, we can use him as a uh, one of our uh, intro or outros, one of these. Uh, one
0: that's right. Episodes. That's right. Absolutely. So that's,
3: now we've got something to look forward to for an upcoming future edition of Fast uh, <laughs> Out Radio. So, thanks for <laughs> providing that for us, PJ.
2: Thank you so much. Now.
3: Um, I want to say that this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're reviewing our first year of being on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to join our discussion, you can give us a call, 347-215-8972, or join us in the online chat. So I want to move on a little bit since we're rounding out towards our kind of closing out period. On the, the new Better All the Time I did this week, um, Stephen, I don't know if you had a chance to, to read that one. I just put it up today.
0: Yeah, I've I, I read it, yes.
3: Oh, okay. Well, good man. Because, um, you know, I, I know you've noticed that sometimes when you put something up on the blog, I don't comment until like a day or two later. doesn't mean I didn't read it initially, but sometimes I have to, you know, I have to let it process and think about exactly, you know, what do I have to say to Stephen on this important topic. But
0: <laughs>
3: um, uh, the last story is kind of the one that I think puts the fast-forward radio and the Speculist into context. And the headline for the last story was, Against all the odds, the world is becoming a happier place. And the article starts out like this. Uh, He says, or she, whoever wrote this, Despite deepening economic bloom and impending climatic destruction, the world is becoming a happier place, according to an analysis of a quarter of a century of data on well-being from 45 countries around the globe. The finding goes against the received wisdom that a country's economic advances do not translate into increased welding among its citizens. I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, the researchers who compiled the data believe increasing levels of happiness were not picked up until now because studies have tended to focus on rich countries where increases in wealth make little difference to their citizens' satisfaction with life. So really interesting. Two things that really caught my attention about this. One is that uh, th- this goes hand-in-hand hand, even with the story that, okay, David Ray uh, pointed out to us and which we included in, in this week's edition of Better All the Time about uh, in- increased wireless phone usage in, in the developing world. Certainly right. in Africa and parts of Asia, uh, everyone's got a mobile phone. Well, that has to do with economic development. It has to do with technological development. And as those as those benefits are achieved in those countries... We're actually seeing greater levels of happiness in the world. Something that um, conventional wisdom—and this is the other part that really got my attention—conventional wisdom said wouldn't happen. Conventional wisdom is that uh, your material happiness doesn't, uh, your your what's the, your actual happiness doesn't increase uh, with the amount of material well-being that that you have, and in fact. Um, as I was reading through the story, they talk about the, the different levels of needs that, uh, that people uh, have to have met. You, you think about the Maslow hierarchy, which uh, right. our friend Harvey has done a couple of videos on that, actually, interesting stuff. Um, and the expectation was that people's happiness increases tremendously once you start meeting the basic food, shelter, clothing, that kind of stuff. But um, that, that when you get beyond that point, there's not an increase in happiness and that uh, people are not taking that next step into the, what is that top level of the Maslow hierarchy?
0: Self-actualization, I believe.
3: Self-actualization, right. We, you know, Even if we're working on that uh, here, in, uh, here in the developed world with all our economic advantages, we're not actually uh, necessarily achieving any happiness due to that. Right. At least that was the thinking. But now this research kind of flies in the face of that thinking, and we 're finding people getting happier um, really throughout the world. but in the countries that were studied uh, th- this is an interesting statistic and i I just love this uh, from the years nineteen eighty one to two thousand and seven uh, happiness overall increased, and the average percentage of people average percentage of people saying they were very happy rose by seven percent so um we don 't think that the world is becoming a happier place, certainly, if you watch the news you wouldn 't expect that the world is becoming a happier place. but if you actually ask people, it turns out that the number of people who claim happiness as a, as a feature of their lives is increasing, and it seems to be happening both in the developing world and in uh, our part of the world where we, you know where we 've developed right already where we've where we 've already supposedly got the advantages so it 's an interesting take on you know what people expect and what's actually happening i
0: I wonder if uh it's you know it's a function of um well think of it this way a fairly well do person here in the United States, if you ask them how much happier would you be next year if you earned five thousand dollars more than say this year um, the answer if they answered truthfully well not very not very much uh you know that that, that, that a five thousand dollars additional would not Affect my happiness all that much,
3: although but, that's going to depend greatly on what they're currently making. So
0: yeah, they're currently making exactly. Making five thousand
3: dollars, and you ask the offer in five K, then they're going to say, "Yeah, boy, are you kidding?" Yeah,
0: that, like, I give it, that was my point. If it, yeah. you know, you go, you go to the, the, uh, uh, someplace in the developing world, and somebody's making ten thousand a year, you yeah. know, and and you right. ask them that question, well, a heck of a lot happier uh, with an you know with an additional five thousand dollars. So maybe that's it, and. and you know, you see things like, uh, you, you mentioned in the uh, Better All the Times this this week, Phil, that wherever the cell phone has, has been adopted in developing countries, then there's, uh, subsequent to that, there's an economic boom. And uh, I can I see how, you know, if you're if you're taking people that are destitute and they're now jobs and they're now opportunities, um, that, that's going to increase uh, happiness uh, all over the world. So that's, you know, I think it's all connected there.
3: Absolutely. And it's not to say that there aren't a whole lot of problems uh, associated with economic development and technological development, and and there are downsides to to all of these things as well. But that was something that I had personally observed um, working in um, the Eastern Bloc and in uh, Southeast Asia in the the 90s as we were bringing these these, these new mobile phone companies online in in these markets where – that there was fixed telephony, but it was not widely available, and suddenly phone service is widely available to, to a lot of people. And, and I'm not ready to say it's an absolute cause and effect. I think it, it, to a certain extent it's an enabler, but probably there had to be some, some economic change going on to catalyze uh, wireless telephony taking off. So, I, so I'm not saying it's a magic wand, right? It, it's not like you can go into a poor and destitute area, start handing out phones, and that's automatically going to, uh, to cause an economic boom. But, but it's definitely correlated with that. It's definitely right. a, a piece of the puzzle. And the, the, the real benefit that you see is people have, with technology, with economic development, they have more choices than, than they did before. They're, they're able to make choices for their lives that they weren't able to make prior to the introduction of that technology or achieving that particular economic level. And I think that's really what we talk about on fast-forward radio. I think that if, 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 if I were to, to try to crystallize everything we do down to one thing, it's probably that. It's that technology is freeing us. It's enabling us to have greater choices than, than we had in the past. And if you combine technology with economic development, um, you, you have a picture of humanity becoming more free and more capable. And, and that's what we're really excited about. When I talk about if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention, those are the things I'm talking about. I'm talking about those kinds of changes that are that are really making life substantially different for people than it than it has been in the past.
0: That's right. And if you if you're living in a situation in a developing country or or an undeveloped country where you just you don't know where your next meal is coming from, I mean there's it's not a lot, it's not a lot of less, you know, um, and it's right. just not it's not an opportunity for uh, to build a, a happy life in that kind of situation. So obviously you got to move past that. And, and of course, you know, as we well know, here here in a in really I I think still we're the wealthiest country in the world. There's there's plenty of opportunities to be unhappy even here. But uh, but you know, once the basic needs are met, you can uh, you can I, there there's a great there's a great chance of being happy as well. So I think having a good sense of humor is part of it as
3: well. Absolutely. Now, Michael, tell us what's going on in the chat room. We've 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 taken a turn off into ha- from happiness to uh, uh, to to Buddhist theology. What's going on there?
1: Well, the uh, the Buddhist leap was actually a short one. Harvey brought out that uh, uh, a literary reference to the Dalai Lama has authored a book called The Art of Happiness, and in that, partly, claims that to be happy, first you have to accept accept the the realization that life is suffering, and that to be alive includes suffering. And um, and then from there, we deviated into a, uh, uh, you know, Marxist revolution. I, I didn't quite follow the leap there.
3: <laughs> we got the Marxist revolution going on.
1: Well, so, sometimes
3: I, uh, I, I, I toy with Marxist uh, ideas a little bit, um, n- not in the political, uh, mainstream political way. I'm not, you know, coming out of the closet as a, as a red, don't worry, Stephen. Nothing like that. But uh, I, I actually believe that. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> I actually believe that. Uh, yeah, I've secretly been a communist all this time. You never would have guessed, would you? Um, I, I I believe that a lot of the um, uh, the really attractive sounding ideas that you find in Marxist ideology, because there's no question that there are attractive sounding ideas in there. You know, so so much of the world would not have been quick to adopt. This meme flex, if you will, if if there hadn't been uh, if there hadn't been some some really good sounding stuff in there, I remember once uh, years ago reading uh, something. I think it was it was maybe a George Will column, and he was talking about the, uh, the the appeal of this stuff. He said, if you read it line by line, the Soviet Union's constitution sounds better than ours, right? Just in terms of what what it's uh, what it's offering the world. But I think that um, some of the tropes. Some of the some of the basic ideas that you find there, um, actually are things that we're seeing happen now, not via revolution and not via government, but but via technology. And to me, the greatest example of this is the uh, Glenn Reynolds um, Army of David's concept, where we've seen the, the the idea of the means of production have been truly handed down to the workers. The workers have taken control of the means of production in so many different ways, um, and that you know is a Marxist trope, but it's actually been achieved through technology and through kind of a libertarian uh, distribution of, of technology. So, so not as a political remedy, but but definitely the uh, uh, the, the ideas are there, and I think the, the the means of getting to some some of those good things are are definitely there, although we find them uh, maybe in a different way than we would have expected. Well, you know,
0: both Adam Smith and uh, and and Marx uh, were. Uh, approaching the same problem, I, you know, how do how do you maximize happiness for the most the most people? Well, uh, they came up with very different solutions, and uh, and they both were tried out in the 20th century. And uh, uh, it, it you know it, it's it's my contention that capitalism won out. Uh, but you know, and, and and through capitalism, maybe we end up uh, we'll end up seeing uh, uh, some of the dreams of the communists come true as well. So.
3: Yeah, that's my, actually that's what I think, the ironic thing is that probably eventually capitalism gets us to Marx's worker paradise. That's the, uh, that's, that, that's the, the great amazing irony of, of, of history. And we won't even think it's all that uh, astounding when it happens, because we never are all that astounded by the future once it shows up. People will take the space elevator for granted once it gets here. But I want to go back to the, uh, to the Dalai Lama, because I read The Art of Happiness. And um, one of the things that the Dalai Lama says is that uh, you, you really need to integrate this Buddhist idea of suffering. Um, the, the notion of accepting life as suffering sounds. Um, and, and PJ, if you're still with us, you can correct me if I if I misstate uh, uh, any Buddhist uh, ideas here, because I think you're probably a lot more familiar with them than I am. But the the Buddhist idea of suffering is not is not enjoying suffering. It's not being a masochist, or it's not uh, taking on a woe is me or a self-pitying kind of thing or, or a negative focus on life because obviously there are a few people with more of a positive outlook on the world than than the Dalai Lama has. But it, but it is about uh, about recognizing that essential uh, shortcoming of existence, that essential lack in our existence to, to, to get us where we want to be. So I think in a lot of ways there's a parallel between um, what the Dalai Lama would describe as the imperative to recognize human suffering, and what we talk about when we talk about the human imperative and uh, the, the ideas that we describe in the Speculous Manifesto. Now, I'm not saying that the Dalai Lama is uh, is in favor, uh, is that, that he's some kind of techno-progressive or that he would agree that technology is the solution to these problems, but actually, I think but actually he, is,
2: about... he, is, he is a techno-progressive. You do know that, don't you?
3: I didn't know he, that. He, him, simply... he,
2: himself, he himself has said that if he wasn't the Dalai Lama, he'd be an engineer.
3: There you go. Well, the was, Dalai
2: is a his, geek. How about that? The Dalai Lama is a geek. He, he actually, um, his favorite hobby when from uh, the youngest age was taking apart machines and putting them back together again. Uh, he actually, from what I gather, um, that was his his favorite thing to do. He loved machines. He loved technology. And he's also the first person to say that if science proves some part of Buddhism wrong, then Buddhism must change. Wow.
3: You don't hear that from a lot of major religious leaders. I mean, we don't endorse
2: political religious No, you don't.
3: (laughs) But that is a... We've got 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 another caller, Phil. That is a departure. Oh, well, bring him
1: on.
0: Okay. Caller, welcome to Fast Forward Radio. Hi,
1: guys. This is not doing... I just wanted to congratulate you. you on the one-year anniversary show. All
0: right. Thanks, Matt.
3: Matt, we appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. And uh, I wanted to thank you for the... um, uh, the good news story that you provided last week, I don't know if you saw, but that's up on the blog this week as part of our New Better All the Time, and we did acknowledge your role in uh, providing that to us.
1: Uh, uh, thanks. I know that you were talking about space elevators a bit before, and there was uh, further progress on nanotubes reported this week. And For the first time, there was uh, fabricated a twisted yarn pattern in a dry state, which is both faster and cheaper. I'll send you that link to.
0: Uh, so they, they've gotten they've gotten to where they're weaving it into yarn now. Is that what you said, Matt? Yes. Uh, uh, they, so h-
3: h- how far does that get us, Matt, in your view, towards the problem of length? Right. I mean, I remember a while back anyway they were saying that uh, the, the, the 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 whole problem with trying to use carbon nanotubes to make the uh, the the cable for the space elevator is that right now we're still dealing with extremely short pieces. Now, if we can make yarn, can we start thinking in terms of you know? whatever it is, 60,000 miles, or uh, are we are we still quite a ways from that? Um, it seems that there is progress towards that because uh, saying that this uh, should uh, enable uh, commercialization for some applications, actually the story that press release I'm looking at isn't very detailed, but it seems like this technology does lead to longer cables, but I don't think space elevator type stuff quite yet. <laughs> Okay, so you know we're getting there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, just I, I guess as with the, you know, the, the the two big issues are strength and length, right? For uh, they should hire me. I, I should be the head of marketing for uh, space elevator Inc. Right? I mean, I've already got it down to a nice little rhyming thing. If we can get the strength and the length, that's, that's basically all we need in order to make a uh, in order to make a space elevator cable. Well, Matt, uh, thank thank you for that. We appreciate you calling in, and uh, we appreciate so much. You are one of our absolute uh, true blue uh, chat room participants. We see you there almost every week. Thank you so much for uh, for being a part of our program, and we look forward to having you as part of the show uh, in in the years to come as well. Thanks for producing such a
1: great show. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye.
3: Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Matt. Bye bye. All right. All right. Great, great to hear from Matt and. Um, I think actually that takes us right up to the uh, to the end of our time here, Stephen. Unless there was uh, uh, anything else that you wanted to try to get into this evening.
1: Well,
0: you know, it, it has been so much fun. I mean, it's it's never uh, this show has never been a work, has it, Phil? I mean, it doesn't. It, it's just the sort of thing I enjoy and look forward to doing every week. So
3: I don't Absolutely. see us stopping
0: this anytime soon.
3: No. I, well, I was just thinking, you know, so we, uh, there was a time when it was a big. You know, chore for us to get one out, and then suddenly we started doing them once a week. And I, I don't see us stopping anytime soon. I see us expanding what we what we do with the with the program. Maybe we'll uh, at some point go to a full 90-minute show rather than planning on an hour of material. We'll start planning on 90 minutes per week. Uh, and, and of course, if that happens, eventually we'll start slopping over uh, past that time too. I bet. But uh, uh, look to expanding that a little bit. And I, I say we keep doing this show uh, until the singularity. How's that? <laughs>
0: that's right.
3: You know, after and then, the singularity will then our avatars
0: will do it after that. So yeah. You know. Yeah. Well,
3: we'll reassess what the need, you know, what the best thing we can do is at that point. But we'll keep doing this show in some form until then, because we, you know, we need to keep people informed that that's uh, that that's on its way.
0: That's right. Well, the music this week, Phil, is, it comes to us from Josh Charles is his name, and uh, the song is Love, Work, and Money. And it's his contention that love, work, and money makes the world go round. So I, I figure since we're making no money with this show, and it's not really work, then it must be a labor of love. So we're having, it is all about you. the love. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, uh, enjoy the music, and uh, I, I'll have up show notes eh, probably tomorrow morning.
3: All right. Thank you, Stephen. We'll look forward to listening to Love, Work, and Money. PJ, Manny, thank you so much for joining us again this evening. We look forward to having you back on again soon. My pleasure. And, uh, Michael, thanks to you and to all our friends in the chat room. Go. And to everyone listening, we thank you for being a part of uh, Fast Forward Radio, and we look forward to being with you again on the next Fast Forward Radio. Until then, good night.